Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. And welcome to episode 382 of the Mothership Broadcast of the WCWUS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com. It is the one and the only, once again, WCWUS Revolution. <clears throat> and again, ladies and gentlemen, I am Mr. WCWUS Chad Henshaw back on the line here with you. Glad to be back on here on a Tuesday after so long here that we are finally back up and running with uh, no problems at all whatsoever. <clears throat> of course, here tonight, as we always do, we will talk about our favorite subject of all time, professional wrestling. We, of course, also will have, first off, our wrestling user segment, which will be connected by our 2017 Hall of Fame News Tag Team Key Ice. Night right here in the form of the Iceman, J.D. Jared Girolamo. J.D. is a 2015 and 17 WWS Hall of Famer, also part of the team that brings you WWS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon right here on TalkShoot.com. Also on the chat box here tonight, we have the human suplex machine, John Gross, providing our wrestling History and birthdays here for today. John is the first 2016 WWS Hall of Famer. He's also, of course, uh, another part of the Raw Radio broadcast team, of course, on, from uh, every Monday afternoon on Talk Show. And also, just coming on the line, uh, and I want to see who this is, but uh, someone has popped in under the guise of Hall of Famer 17. Very, very interesting there. Uh, uh, this I uh, can't wait to see who the can't wait to see who the, uh, that that is uh, who that is. Uh, so uh, we'll we do welcome them for coming on here tonight here with us. Let's bring him and as well as of course JD and John in to what will be an explosive and dynamic episode 382 of Revolution. We got a few weeks till No Mercy and the clock is ticking. Yes, indeed, indeed, and of course we'll have a lot to talk about here tonight. Like I said, in addition. To our wrestling news and views here segment, we also have <clears throat> our and our history and birthdays. We also have, of course, we'll be talking about what what happened last night on WWE Monday Night Raw. 
And our guys here will definitely have a lot to talk about here about what happened last night. Also here, of course, ladies and gentlemen, I will let you know our live video feed here this evening is coming from, of course, our, our group here in WWUS, started by one of the one of our veterans here in WWUS, uh, Miss uh, Sarah Elizabeth Martin. Uh, <clears throat> uh, that is that group, of course, is Ambrose Rollins Reigns Shield News. And if you want to chime in on our live video feed here tonight uh, from uh, from uh, from this from uh, ARRSN, as I, as as we also call it as well. Uh, feel, please feel free to give us uh, feel, feel free to join us right there at uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash shield Cena news if you want to join if you want to watch us watch episode 382 through our live video feed but also of course if you want to join us through our uh, if you want to join us through of course uh, the, 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 the original way through talkshoe.com of course phone number as always is one seven two four 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 seventy four forty four Call ID the magic six numbers one three eight zero five five pound, and press that one if you want to chime in on anything that we have to talk about here tonight. And boy, will we have a bunch to talk about here this evening. So let's not waste any time here, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get this Tuesday edition of Revolution underway, as we of course have our first off start with our wrestling news and views here segment, and to bring that here to us from King Ice is the Ice Man JD Jared Geronimo. JD, what's going on in the wrestling news scene this evening? Quite a bit, actually, Chad, and thank you for telling me in the intro, Howard. First off, Howard, Global Force Wrestling announced earlier today that Jeff Jarrett will be taking an indefinite leave of absence. A GFW website reports as of today, Howard, effective immediately, Jeff Jarrett is taking an indefinite leave of absence from this position as Chief Creative Officer to focus on personal matters. Jeff will be available on a consultant basis as needed. Now, according to reports, there's been talk within the business about the behavior of Jeff and Karen Jarrett coming out of various GFW tapings. That said, there was no additional information released by GFW in terms of what led to this decision. Obviously, it will be very interesting to see who ends up filling the boy led by Jeff Howard in creative. Excuse me. Sorry about that. We have three matches tonight on SmackDown, which is being taped right now live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, however. And among the matches you will see, however, Tonight include Aiden English versus Mr. Ole himself, El Generico, Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura taking on the Viper, Randy Orton, with the winner to face possibly Jinder Mahal at Hell in a Cell coming up in less than three and a half weeks now from now in Detroit Rock City, however, at the brand new uh, arena that the uh, Detroit Red Wings and I believe also uh, the Pistons will be playing in, however, believe it or not, I believe it's the Red Wings' new hockey arena, however, that they will be debuting in just a short time from now. Also on the show tonight, however, it will be Natalia taking on Carmella, however. The question is, will the title of uh, the women's uh, belt be on the line with Natty defending it? We'll let you know about tomorrow night and tell you what happened. Meanwhile, however, in other news, however, mind you, I did see some other news, so bear with me here, folks. Um... Uh, we do want to say, before we continue on with the news, however, obviously after what happened a few weeks ago with Hurricane Harvey, however, there is another hurricane on its way, apparently, and this time it is named Irma. According to reports, however, Irma has canceled this Sunday's game between Tampa Bay and Miami in the NFL, however, due to the excessive storm that will be punching its way into the Florida coastline this weekend. When last we heard earlier this evening, the hurricane was about 180 to 190 miles per hour in wind speed, however, and could be hitting the Florida coast as early as this weekend or possibly by Sunday morning. Our thoughts and prayers are with all the people down there in South Florida right now as they are bracing for what should be a brutal, brutal storm. 
also in football news, however, and I know we don't talk football that much, but we do sometimes here, Ezekiel Elliott's six-game suspension, which he was supposed to start serving maybe early this week, however, has now been upheld and will be allowed to play, however, against the Giants, despite the decision that was passed over earlier this afternoon. Originally, the announcement was supposed to happen yesterday, but because of the Labor Day holiday, however, they made the announcement official just a short time ago, and now it looks like Elliott's will be allowed to play, however, for the first six games, however. But the question is, however, could he be back, could he be sent out after this week, however, and serve any time of the suspension? Or is it all done, however, and finally put away, and that the suspension will not happen? We will tell you tomorrow night on Outside the Ropes about that story, however, and keep you up to date with that story. Uh, Raw ratings, of course, will not be known until tomorrow, however. But one final note, however, and talking about Raw, however, as we heard last night, however, mind you, Raw, of course, will be held in Anaheim, California next week. Originally, it was supposed to be in Portland, Oregon this coming next Monday night, however, and Seattle next Tuesday, a week from tonight. But instead, they have now pushed the date, however, back to October 16th and 17th for those shows in Portland and Seattle. And finally, however, according to reports, however, there is rumors going around that they could be doing a live edition of Monday Night Raw on Christmas night this year and New Year's Day evening as well. According to reports, however, they are having early discussions about possibly maybe making both the December 25 edition of Raw on Christmas night and New Year's Day night, January 1st, the first show of 2018, live. But at the same time, we could have a tape tower on a tape delay from the locations that they will be doing that. But as of right now, WWE has said they are not sure yet if they will do that this year or not, however, and rather air those two shows live on Christmas night and New Year's night. Also, in January, of course, they will be going up against the National Championship College football game on January 8th, however, which will be the second show of 2018. Thank you very much, sir, J.D. Of course, J.D., along with King and W.O. George Smith, is King Ice, your, your 2017 Hall of Fame News Tag Team. They bring all the news that fits print. And, of course, if it doesn't fit, they always find a way to make it fit. And, of course, in GTS's case, uh, Superwoman and Duct Tape is the, most, is the best combination ever to keep it together, and you cannot go wrong with that whatsoever. Let's see what we have here in the wrestling history here for today, here September the 5th, according to Human Suplex Machine John Gross. We thank him for that. Let's see what we have on tap here for the history here for, like I said, September the 5th. 34 years ago today, which would put it at 1983, WCCW held their inaugural Labor Day Star Wars event in Fort Worth, Texas, in front of 11,573 fans. I don't have any other details as to the matches, but uh, and that's, all, that's all John normally puts on our page here. Okay. 30 years ago today, 1987, Scott Irwin, uh, that name is does ring a bell. Uh, the goon. He was the goon. Uh, oh, the goon. Bill he, was, was, he was the goon. No, his brother was the goon. His brother was oh, the goon. Bro- oh, his brother was the, his brother was the goon. Wild okay. Bill Irwin it was his brother. Yes. Right. All right. Anyway, he died at the age. Of, anyway, Scott died at the age of 35 years old on, on uh, from a brain tumor. Yes. Uh, back in it was 1987. Okay, all right, but he is the brother of the man that we that we remember as the goon. Yep. Yeah, Bill Irwin, while Bill Howard and WCCW would later play the goon. That's correct. And also, this is very significant, however, 99 years ago today, however, the National Anthem made its debut in Major League Baseball on this day in 1918. 
Oh, okay. how long ago was that? September 5, 1918. 99 years ago today. Oh, nine, oh 99 years ago today. Uh, so I see that we have someone. I, I see we have, uh, uh, I think we might be able to, I hope we can identify Hall of Famer 17. Go ahead there. <laughs> oh, man, no, it is. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, he uh, came in on us here with a with a nice, nice little handle there. I kind of like that. But, uh, of course, we know this is, of course, he uh, Hall of Famer 17 obviously was a clue here because, yes, indeed, earlier this year, he, this man was inducted into the WCWS Hall of Fame here this year. And, of course, I am talking about Mr. Hulkamania himself, Bob Ziegler, from my neck of woods down here in North Carolina. Bob, the man, how in the world are you? Hi, Bobby. Good. I'm doing good. Yeah. Nice new handle there. I kind of like Very that. nice, Very Bobby. Cool. Well done. Very nice, nice indeed. Very nice indeed. We're just going through some history there, Bobby, then we're going to recall a little bit talk about Raw here in a minute. So just sit tight and listen in. Uh, 20, 27 years ago today, we put it in 1990. NWA Clash of the Champions 12, Mountain Madness uh, slash Fall Brawl 1990, is held in Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina, in North Carolina Mountains. That's where I think Edge and Beth Phoenix were at, in Asheville. I believe so. That sounds right, yeah. It's in front of only 4,000 fans. Hmm. The event drew a 5.0 TV rating on TBS. One of the matches that took place was Sting defeated the Black Scorpion to retain the NWA World Heavyweight title. Of course, we remember later on at Star K90 that that was an even bigger match inside of the steel cage. That was a good match. Yes. I got that on tape somewhere. 26 years ago today, we put it at 1991, uh, WCW presented Clash of the Champions 20... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 16, I'm sorry, 16, Fall Brawl held in Augusta, Georgia. And this is interesting. This 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 was in front of only 2,800 fans, as it drew a 3.7 TV rating on TBS. Uh, and in one of the matches presented here, the Enforcers defeated Rick Steiner and Bill Kazmaier to win the vacant WCW World Tag Team Titles. John even put a little piece of baseball history in with our wrestling history here tonight. He wanted he wanted to ask if we could do that. I said, Yeah, but he's got a pretty interesting moment here. On this day in 1995, Cal Ripken tied Lou Gehrig's unforgettable record as the Orioles played the Angels in Camden Yards with the Orioles defeating the Angels 8-0. Yeah, that was a good game. On this day in 1996, Johnny Ace, who know as John and Steve Williams defeated June and Mitsuhara Misawa to win the AJPW World Tag Team Titles. Uh, 19 years ago today, 1998, I'm running out raw The Undertaker and Kane did a destroying day after attacking everyone. After Ripley called them too putrid, and John says, well, you know what I mean. Uh, I started, of course, going through everything. I, I remember that moment, too. Yes. Uh, uh, it, it, Fifteen year fifteen years ago today at two thousand and two on SmackDown, uh uh J D. Um Big Gary uh, I think we'll be What's that noise? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, well, anyway, I do appreciate that thing. I had a little bit of a sniffle thing, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, um, a- a- anyway, uh, you were saying about tonight's draw. Uh, what do you want to do there? Uh, John can go first, Tower, because I think you're going to have to hold me back once I go off here. Okay, all right. Uh, okay, let's see what John has to say here for uh, about the last night. John says his comments on Raw. Uh, John Cena and Jason Jordan kicked off Raw in a great match. It was a, it was, it was a great start to Raw. You didn't have to have a promo or anything. Cena and Jordan, John believes, was a nice way to open up the show. Uh, it was pretty much a enjoyable match. Jordan held his own against Cena, but Cena was just dominant this match, like always in his matches. So, yeah. After that, the Reigns comes out, and you knew what with what happened. Last week, there was going to be another explosive promo between Reigns and Cena. Not as good as the last one, but both had a lot of points to say. And John now brings up the Intercontinental title match between Jeff Hardy and The Miz. John agreed with what you said, J.D., about this. The match should have been the main event for the Intercontinental title. Should have given Jeff a half ending, but Kevin Dunn pulled it for us because Miz has his creative control card. And what's the point of Noam Dar and Cedric Alexander fighting again, although they were in a tag team match? This feud should have been, this, this feud should have been done for and bringing an into the 205 Live is like they are trying desperately to bring new cruiserweights in. Seems as if 205 Live is, is good and gone good and gone for us, the way John put it. John uh, says, I mean, John says could be gone and good and gone for good, I think is what he's trying to say. If they don't pick up the rating, John, John believes all these cruiserweight superstars are, are doing fine, including Neville and Tozawa last year. Was going well for all the cruiserweights. Brian Kendrick and TK, TK Perkins won the cruiserweight title at the same time. But 205 Live is just a ship and it's going close. John also says it's okay. Uh, he's okay with Nia Jax being in the match between between Sod and Bliss, but not okay with Emma being in the match either. I think I heard something about this. John says he's tired of Emma boasting and bragging about her starting the women's revolution. Uh, he kind of gets in with the with Braun in the Big Show. Braun Strowman in the Big Show, John knows that, that this match was the main event, but it should have been safe in the second hour. Despite that, it was good. It did good with the Super Cups for once. The ring didn't break. Workers did a pretty good job with the ring. But what if there was a Super on top of the cage? Braun gets the win and shows straight into the cage. John believes Brock had to take a thoughts about defending his title against Braun. John says, in all about it, this was not an okay show. could have been better but not okay at all, and that's his thoughts for Monday Night Raw. John, very decisive now. Point. Very good there. Thank you very much there, John. Okay, <laughs> I think myself and John and Bobby are going are buckled in here. I think we're getting ready, getting ready to hear what you have to say about it. <laughs> uh, you want to go ahead and light your bazooka and fire away. We're ready to go. First off, however, we, of course, were live from Omaha, Nebraska at the CenturyLink Center. Of course, we had our three-man team back this week. It was good to see Booker back this week. And again, as we said, however, like with the people in Florida with Irma, how are dealing with the issues, how are we're definitely still saying more and more everyday prayers to our friends in Houston, of course, especially 
to uh, uh, friends and family in Houston, however, whoever we have, however, and I know a couple of our good friends, however, on top of your link, our good friends, the Wolf Queen Heavy Metal, are still trying to get by down there in Houston. But anyway, uh, we hope everyone is surviving down there and trying to get back on their feet very slowly. It's going to take a while, but hopefully uh, things will slowly, slowly uh, recover in Houston. It's going to take them a good while, but it was nice to see Booker back on the announced team this week. Anyway, we go to the first match of the night, Jason Jordan versus Mr. Uh, Jordan versus Mr. Cena. Uh, this was a good way to begin the show, but it would have made sense if Cena would allow Jason Jordan to beat him. I think uh, Mr. Part-Timer, Mr. You-Can't-See-Me, Happy Trippy-Go-Lucky actor, uh, charity man, John Cena, however, would have allowed Jason Jordan to uh, beat him. However, I mean, this was the same thing that happened 15 years ago, of course. However, we saw that night Kurt Angle beat John Cena. I think that was the night Kurt Angle beat John Cena. And then, of course, Cena got mad respect, if you remember, in the locker room afterward. I think, unless Cena did beat him. I can't remember. It's been too long since I've seen that match. But anyway, uh, it would have been nice to see Jason Jordan at least get a win on Cena, however. And then afterward, Cena acknowledged the kid, shake his hand, hug him, pat him on the back, and said, good job, kid. You did a job well done. Uh, the last couple weeks, i got to give Jordan his credit. He's been holding his own against guys like Cena and Finn Balor. But they just kind of keep giving him the shaft, which I don't understand if you ask me. But uh, nevertheless, however, this was a good match and a good way to kick off the show. Then we go to, once again, everyone's favorite, however, the Cena-Roman Reigns banter. Uh, This week, however, they fell short, I thought, however, of their uh, quotes this week. I mean, last week it was a good, intense segment. It was uh, straight to the hip, and they weren't pulling punches somewhat. And they were kind of shooting on each other, it seemed like, Howard, by just taking jabs at each other and also going off the script a little bit at times. At least some people said they weren't doing that, but I thought they were. Uh, this one was okay. I mean, it wasn't as good as last week, but again, it was okay. I don't know how much longer they're going to continue to do this same old, same old thing, Howard. I'm sure they're going to continue to do this every week, probably, I would imagine, however, until um, no mercy. Who knows? But... Uh, this was okay, but like I said, they could have saved this uh, whole scene of Rome thing for later in the show, but they wanted to get it out of the way early, I guess. Next, we have Seamus and Cesaro, the Bar Boys, taking on the Wendy's Boy and the Man Beast, Rhino. Uh, this was quick and short, however. I don't know why they're keeping a hold of Rhino and Slater on the show. They just keep burying him at every opportunity. I mean, this is the first time in a while we see them on Raw. And, of course, we also heard prior to that, of course, once again, and we're going to have a rematch, apparently at no mercy for the tag team titles with these four guys. Uh, does it excite me? Eh, kind of, sort of, but not really. I mean, it's been done before. How I don't know why they keep uh, going back to the well one too many times. Speaking of the well, however, let's talk about the Miz-Jeff Hardy thing. Again, I would agree with John, however, and we've talked about this before. This should have been your main event. Uh, but once again, it just goes to show you that The Miz and his little flunkies, courtesy uh, Axeman Greasy Hair Oil, oil bo- Greasy Hair Oil Boy Axel, Bo Dennis Hopper Hippie Dallas, who looks like a douche every week in his outfits, and Maurice the Meg Griffin Mila Kunis, French Poodle Dog of of The Miz, how come out to uh, face Jeff and Matt Hardy. Now, Jeff, of course, had his birthday last week, and it would have been nice to see Jeff Hardy win the IC title for a fifth time. But once again, it just goes to show you that somehow, even when the referee tosses out the Miz to Rush and Matt Hardy, the Miz always has something up his sleeve by hook or crook. And in this case, however, it was once again having his little wifey poo save his butt, basically, when Jeff had victory in hand by basically, apparently, I guess, uh, 
she uh, grabbed Miz, however, just as Jeff was going for the swanton, however. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. I didn't see it, but I'll have to go back and watch the replay again to be sure. But uh, to see the Miz being Jeff Hardy, I mean, in 13 minutes, this was one of the better matches of the evening, however. But like I said, once again, it just goes to show you that the Miz sometimes can't do things on his own. He has to have help. And in this case, however, I'm not saying he did, but I'll, again, I'll have to watch the replay to be sure. Uh, this was one of the better matches of the night, but I think it would have made sense if Jeff Hardy would have just won the belt here and then in a couple of weeks dropped the belt back, maybe to Miz, if they could have done it. But no, they once again have to have the Miz, however, uh, somehow, some way, kiss uh, Stephanie and Vince's ass along with Triple H because he's the little pet project, if you will, however, and somehow they find a way to put the nails into Jeff Hardy. Uh, next, of course, was the Cruiserweight six-person tag. Uh, I have talked so many times about 205 Live, however, until I'm blue in the face, however, on every show here. I don't, it's just not this one, but every show. 205 Live right now is dying. It is dying more and more every week, a slow death. And it's dying even more now because you have to have the idiot Enzo Amore come out there, running his yapper, insulting people on the way. He calls Gulak, insults Drew Gulak, calling him Captain Underpants. Yeah, that was real funny there, uh, Enzo. And then what does he call Grand Malik? Oh, yeah, he calls him Pepper Jack. Yeah, that's going to go over real well with the audience there. This six-person tag was okay. It wasn't one of the better matches of the night, but it was okay. It would have made more sense, however, if they could have hired someone else like Lince Dorito or maybe uh, someone else, however, like maybe TJP to fill the spot in instead of Enzo. But instead, you have Enzo, Metalik, and Cedric Alexander, however, uh, taking on Dar, Nice, and Drew Gulak. I mean, personally, I think they could have bumped Enzo out of this spot and had Rich Swan fill in the spot, because I think Rich Swan would have been more appropriate here. Uh, this was short and quick, however, but like I said, and John said it, I think 205 Live is just continuing to die a slow death. We've talked about this so many times, and I would not be surprised very soon if they pull off 205 Live. I mean, I think right now 205 Live is like what ECW was on sci-fi for that brief time. Yeah, it was good for a little while, and it was exciting and entertaining, but every week we see the same thing on the show. The crowds don't stay because they're bored, they're not entertained, they're not excited by it. They're just absolutely crapping all over it. And I mean, the only thing that's good about 205 Live that will be starting tonight, and I'm looking forward to hearing how it'll go, is the new announcing. you now got Vic Josephs, however, and you got Nigel McGuinness taking over for Corey Graves. And, of course, Nigel McGuinness now will be making his debut Tonight, apparently, supposedly, after SmackDown, when he teams up with Vic on 205 Live. And, of course, we got a pretty good main event, however, to decide, however, who will face Neville at No Mercy. And I said this yesterday on Raw Radio, and I'm going to say it here again tonight. I hope to God, for the love of God, please, 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 please do not make Enzo the new number one contender to Neville's title. Because Neville will just absolutely obliterate him and bury him alive. In like less than not even five minutes. If you want to do something, Howard, do something else. But right now, it seems like the last couple of weeks since Enzo came over to 205 Live, he is just killing that show, and he's just killing everything about it in the cruiserweight, divi- the cruiserweight division in general. Speaking of which, we then go to Finn and Bray Wyatt. Of course, they announced that they will be having a new match in No Mercy. Does it excite me? No, we've seen it before. I don't know what they can do this time that they haven't done already, so I'm bored with that. Uh, the one thing I will say, they did show, of course, a pretty cool thing with the Connors Cure thing. That was really neat to see. I got to see my one buddy in one of those things. So that was really neat to see. Also, of course, coming up tomorrow night, however, 
we have the premiere of Total Bellas on E, however, for the second year in a row. So who knows what they're going to do there this year. I mean, there's going to be shown, I'm sure, a lot about Daniel and Bree, of course, and, and the baby, baby Birdie. I'm sure we're going to see more about uh, Nikki and John, of course, getting their engagement plans all settled in and starting to plan their upcoming one, which we still haven't heard when that wedding will be, if at all. But I imagine it will happen at some point before the year's out or early next year, whether that happens on the show itself or in the ring, however, uh, Raw or SmackDown or on a pay-per-view, who knows. But speaking of women, that leads me to another, uh, let's just say, uh, as Michelle likes to call it with herself, bitch fits. This is my other bitch, one of my other bitch fits, one of the other bitch fits of the show. We have Miss Harley Quinn herself, the fake-looking blonde five-foot goddess bitch herself, Alexa Blonde Bimbo Bliss, however, teaming up with the boss, Sasha Banks, against the monster uh, somewhat of the Divas division, and I know uh, if Michelle was here, she'd say, I'm crazy for saying those words, and I know she's not a fan, and not many people are a fan of her, I kind of am, and that is Nia Jax with everyone's favorite, hashtag Diva, the one who says that she started the women's revolution, Emma. And of course, Nia and Emma end up being Alexa and Sasha, however, here, setting up now the Fatal 4-Way, which originally was not supposed to happen because originally it was supposed to be Alexa and Sasha. Now, the question is, I have to ask you and everyone else out there, does this mean that Nia Jax is finally going to get her comeuppance at No Mercy and finally get the title off of Alexa, possibly her former bestie, if you will? Dear God, I hope so. I am tired of seeing Alexa and Sasha continue to play hot potato with this whole thing. But if Nia does not win, and if Alexa finds a way to retain, I'll be shocked, however. But if they go back to Sasha again, however, with that, I just, I'm just going to be absolutely disgusted beyond words. I mean, they just are absolutely continuing to kill the women's division. The only thing they could do right now out of this whole thing, however, is bump Emma out of this matchup altogether and maybe have Oscar replace her. Because right now, Emma continues to be the most annoying little bitch diva on the entire roster. Every week she's always saying, oh, it should be about me. Hashtag, I start the women's revolution. Hashtag, look at me, I'm so popular. How about this one? I've said this so many times in the past. Hashtag, fire Emma. Fired. Please, somebody in the front office, fire this girl. This girl has no talent at all. She's terrible on the mic. She can't rustle. She can't even have decent theme music. I mean, Christ, when she uh, did the whole Emelina thing, however, that was fine and good. But what happened? Oh, yeah. We heard for six or seven months that was going to be a great game. That was going to be the next big thing. That was going to be a shining moment. And then what happened that very first night? That turned out to be a dud. Now she got, and then, of course, what happened after that? Oh, yeah, she got hurt. She was out for a while. She comes back. She comes up as this little saucy, sunglassing, uh, wannabe, uh, purple lipstick-wearing diva, however, and then she comes back and says, now, uh, look at me. I was just out for a while, however, because of an injury, however, and because of the whole Emelina thing didn't work, however. Now I should be given this opportunity, and it should be everyone should respect me? No, you're terrible. You can't talk. You can't wrestle. You can't do anything right. You're just an absolute freaking uh, gothic-looking wannabe, a gothic, uh, yeah, gothic-looking wannabe diva. You're terrible. You're a joke. Go back to NXT or hell, just get out of the WWE altogether. You're terrible. Uh, Rollins and Ambrose, of course, defeat Dallas and Anderson. That was pretty good. Of course, we saw what happened. Of course, Sheamus and Cesaro. Uh, then clear Anderson Gallus in the ring. I imagine they'll have to match with those four guys next week. But I would like to see this match change to a triple threat. And I have a feeling we're going to see this match changed eventually to a triple threat. I would not be surprised if Anderson Gallus end up getting their way into this matchup. Because they need some of these guys. Because they keep crapping all over them. If they don't, shame on them. 
And then, of course, we go to the Big Show Braun Strowman match. This was good, however, but once again, it shows you, however, that Braun Strowman has to be the big bully in charge, however, by knocking out the Big Show. However, we saw what happened afterward when he literally uh, launched the Big Show and almost uh, threw, literally threw him through the cage, however, and as a result, show we understand held his side and I believe his hip in pain. In fact, we understand how that show might need surgery now or maybe uh, was legitimately hurt because of Braun. I mean, not to say Braun is an animal, because he is an animal. Don't get me wrong. But once again, Howard, it just goes to show there are times that Braun kind of takes it a little too far and maybe he doesn't care. Now, the only complaint about this show, and I'm going to say one last minor complaint about this show is, where the hell was Samoa Joe? Oh, that's Oh, never mind. I forgot. So Joe's hurt. Never mind, I, I remember what it is now. But yeah, um, this wasn't one of the better Raws, like John said. And with Monday Night Football coming up next Monday night, Howard, and on the anniversary of 9 11, with two weeks to go till No Mercy, you better start putting on better TV. You continue to do lackluster TV. Last week, I mean, it's like one week you do good, the next week you go back. Then you do a few weeks good, then you do a few weeks bad. I don't know who's writing this shit for them, however, and I'm going to say it right now. But they better start getting their heads out of their rear ends and very soon. Because right now, with football season just around the corner, however, and the fall season and winter season soon upon us, however, they always find a way to either fudge it up or blow it. So they better correct the problem and they better correct it fast. Because if they don't, they're going to be in big-time trouble. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank you very much, J.D., of course, for your thoughts on Monday Night Raw. I do think also... Uh, Bobby and uh, John for their thoughts. Bobby had to step away for a little bit. He may be back on. I'm not sure, but uh, he'll be back. He should be back here. Not. We do thank him for coming on here. It's episode 382 of Revolution. Okay, we'll be checking on it and double checking that see if he'll be if he'll be able to make it or not. One seven two four 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 seventy four three four. Call ID one three eight zero five five pound. This is episode 382 of the Mothership Rock WWS Revolution. Uh, Tuesday, September 5th, 2017. Once again, Mr. WWS, Chad Henshaw, back on the line here with you with, of course, two members of the Raw Radio broadcast team, uh, the Iceman J.D. Jared DiGeralmo of 2015-17 Hall of Famer, and, of course, the first 2016 Hall of Famer, uh, the human suplex machine, John Gross. And, of course, Raw Radio, every Monday afternoon right here on TalkShoe.com. Uh, just a little reminder, at the 10 o'clock hour here. This is a reminder here, of course, tomorrow night. Uh, our Triple Threat Wednesday returns. First off, we start off as J.D. and I bring you, of course, WWS outside of the ropes. As we look at a lot of the lot of news coming out of the pop culture scene, of course, I'll be bringing you some stories courtesy of our friends at 411 Mania. Plus, J.D. will have a few more, including the box office report and uh, other other updates coming up in, around the world, the world of movies, music, sports, politics, you name it, we'll talk about it. And also, of course, we're, once again, we're getting out. I was just told earlier tonight, that the hot seat is getting prepped here, even as we speak, because of course, as it cooled down after being last being used uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, and, uh, okay, all right, thank you, JD. And um, and of course, so we'll have once again put JD back in that hot seat. We'll make sure it's definitely nice and hot. I'm sure JD's missing putting his uh, uh, fire suit on, as of course we test him in of course uh, the, the hot seat movie trivia challenge. Well, we got some news, however, some breaking news in just now from South Dakota. Uh, please go ahead. Apparently, however, that next week in Las Vegas, we will have two matches, however, on the show. It will be 
AJ Styles taking on Ty Dillinger for the U.S. title. It will be the Usos taking on the New Day. And after what happened tonight with Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens, we understand that Vince McMahon will be at SmackDown in Vegas next Tuesday night to confront Kevin Owens after what happened with Shane tonight. And that Nakamura is also one we can now say. Nakamura is now, once again, the number one contender as he defeated Randy Orton tonight. So it will be Nakamura and Jinder Mahal at Hell in a Cell in Detroit. Okay, thank you very much, Sir JD, for that update. Also, ladies and gentlemen, coming up, uh, remember outside the ropes is one th- is one four one three eight seven pounds tomorrow night from six thirty to seven thirty p.m. Also, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we'll also have WWS Wrestling Debate as the NWO Madness Kingdom and once again to be sitting around the table and debating and discussing all the wrestling news of the day, including, of course, what happened what happened, of course, last night on Raw, tonight on SmackDown Live, uh, talking about uh, like I said, all the pay per views popping up. Uh, uh, the same thing with everything will be it'll be a very riveting riveting discussion. Of course, I'm resting debate here tomorrow night from eight to nine. Call ID one three nine nine two five pound. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back on with WCWS Revolution episode three eighty three, as we will have our live video feed here from WCWS Interview Corner. Uh, we'll also have, of course, our wrestling news and views and history and birthdays, and also be talking about. Uh, what took place tonight on SmackDown Live. JD gave us a couple, a couple of tidbits, but we'll go into more detail tomorrow night. And also, of course, a few little wrestling extras, so join us for that as well, of course, 138055-pound uh, for Revolution tomorrow night. Well, guys, like I said, it's a little bit past 10 o'clock hour. Uh, let's see what we have here. Uh, let's see. And while I check and see what else we can do here, uh, the Iceman has sent me a very interesting picture. And saying, asking, of course, it was yesterday being Labor Day. Who said you can't wear white on Labor Day? <laughs> and it was someone dressed up like a stormtrooper from Star Wars. So, yeah, uh, yeah Matt, imagine the fact that whoever is wearing that suit right now is probably sweating himself to pieces. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for JD for sending that picture here. Um, Okay, uh, let's see here. Let's see what we have here on tap. Uh, uh, let's see. Hmm, let's see. Let's see what we have here. Hmm, well, this is one that someone created three. This was something that uh, somebody created uh, three year a quiz that someone created three um, three years ago. Um, 
very interesting here. Uh, and also, ladies and gentlemen, be sure, like I said, look into all of our groups in WWUS because uh, we're starting to see a little bit of a rise here in uh, in uh, in a uh, in, in membership for all of our. Groups. The reason why, uh, well, the reason why uh, Shane attacked KO, however was apparently our KO took a shot at Shane's kids. Who? Remember when I told you Shane uh, got uh, suspended tonight from SmackDown? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it says here on SmackDown Live this week, it says, Shane attacked Kevin Owens. This came after Owens took several shots at Shane, including the jab at his recent helicopter crash, saying, your whole family would have been better off if you didn't survive that crash. After another remark about Shane's kids, we saw the SmackDown commissioner snap. Shane attacked Owens before being restrained, however, by Daniel Bryan and WWE officials. Backstage, Owens threatened to sue Shane and the entire WWE after what happened, however. Later in the show, Daniel Bryan announced that Vince McMahon decided that Shane is suspended definitely for the incident. Shane took to Twitter a short time ago for his actions and said the following, Apologies to the uh, WWE superstars, employees, and fans that are affected by my actions and that led to my suspension. I'm sorry. Kevin Owens should be suspended. You insult the man's family... Mind you, you make a jab like that, and you're not getting fined or suspended for that shit. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Like I said before, I mean, we all are. We 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 here in the radio network, we are uh, definitely diehard fans of KO. But uh, uh, something like that pops up like that. I mean, one thing you don't do in this business, and of course, we're seeing a lot of that here lately, is take a jab at someone's family. Um, and, uh, and also, what's what's happened in uh, during in that family? So what's happening personally and all that? So. But I mean, that, that's a good point there, uh, JD. Thank you very much, there, sir. Uh, JD and John, I have found a quiz here that's like if someone created this about four years ago. I mean, three years ago. So if you like, we can give we can we can uh, give this a whirl and see how this works out. All right. It's just general wrestling trivia. It's not about a set topic. I won't go into that. It's uh, they call it the ultimate pro wrestling quiz. Sounds good. So okay, so uh, uh, J uh, D, I'm sure you. Yeah, I'm I think you're game for. What about you, John? Are you game for it? I remember I said, "Are you game?" I didn't say, "Are you gay?" <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and John, and John that he is. He does make an interesting point, though. Kale, better not hit that pop-up powerbomb on Vince because he'd be in big trouble if he did. Uh, yeah, I would think so. But then John also says this. What if Kevin Owens, by making... What if Kevin Owens making fun of other McMahons, beating the McMahons up leads to a Triple H face turn? John says, as he said in his early report, WrestleMania 34, Triple H versus Kevin Owens. It could happen. John, John, you have a good thought there. It is very well could happen because, like I said, Shane is, I mean, Shane's suspended for the time being for now. Vince comes next week to Vegas. Hmm. Could we see? This this would give Kevin Owens a bump. I mean, I'll tell you that. I mean, the... 
Uh, before I get started on anything, Jason, once you need to bring up, please go ahead and do so. You got to step for just a second. Oh, this is this is the fun, this is funny how I'm, this is what happened at the end of the show real quick. Backstage, Daniel Bryan says to Kevin Owens that Sheamus suspended it was over. Owens said they were just getting signed next week. SmackDown will be his playground in Daniel Bryan's nightmare. Bryan responded that someone would be there next week to address the controversy. Owens asked if he made Shane's wife mad, huh? but Bryan informed him that Mr. McMahon would be there next week. So, old Vinnie Mac is returning now, and I have a feeling there is going to be some hell to pay on Mr. Owens. Hello. And while Chad's out, ladies and gentlemen, we just want to remind you also, ladies and gentlemen, however, that this coming Monday will be a very emotional but yet a very unique edition of Raw Radio. Uh, don't forget to check out the action Wednesday, 744 pound, and it gets underway just after 3 o'clock, however, mind you, let's just say, coming up, however. And, of course, this Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, don't be, be sure to check out Top Heel Inc., ladies and gentlemen, however, beginning at 7 p.m., of course, with Gerard, myself, and the rest of the gang, 14562 pound. And, of course, this week, however, Wolfpack Radio will be back in the saddle again. The caller ID is 138521-POUND. Be sure to check that out, however. So uh, be sure to check that out, ladies and gentlemen, however, this coming week, however. It should be a great So uh, definitely check that out, however, this coming week, however. Uh, also, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for you wrestling fans out there this week, uh, that just came out today, I believe, excuse me, yesterday, you can check out the new WWE unreleased, never-before-seen matches, 1960-1995. Be sure to check that out and pick that up at your local store, whether it be at Best Buy or Walmart or even WWEshop.com. I can tell you right now, I have seen a couple of the newer DVDs lately, most notably Fight Owens Fight, the Kevin Owens story, very good DVD, really good, and the Scott Hall DVD, Living on a Razor's Edge. So definitely check those out as well. Oh, that sounds good there, J.D. Thank you very much, my man. Uh, nice nice plug there, indeed. Very nice, very nice. Uh, and John says one more thing about the, 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 the KO... Triple H saying he said he said Triple H is due for one more la- one last face run because he actually got a pop. I remember I saw this clip on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon when and Triple H he slammed Jimmy Fallon through his desk. If you remember that? Uh, oh that was, yeah, I forgot about that. Right before SummerSlam, yeah, he did. That was cool. But another thought uh, that John says that he has is Vince is going to side with Owens. You know how Vince always likes to side with heels. So, we'll never know, John. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But if y'all ready for the quiz, let's go ahead and get that going here. Uh, I'm not sure how many questions there is, and I'm hoping I will get the answer, the answer to these questions right away. But there's a general wrestling trivia here, guys. So, all right, J.D., I'll start with you. All righty. First question, 
Who was the first worldwide wrestling federation champion? Was it Buddy Rogers, Bruno San Martino, Billy Graham, or Stan Stasiak? Bruno. Who? Bruno. Bruno San Martino. Bruno? Okay. John, what do you say? And John says Buddy Rogers. Okay. I might, it's probably one I'll probably have to do this. Uh, pick a number between 10 and 20, J.D. 18. You said 18? Uh-huh. Okay. John, pick a number. Close to 18, we'll go with J.D.'s answer. It's close to what you say, John, we'll go with your answer. And 16, it's actually 20. So, John, I mean, J.D. got it. So, we'll say Bruno San Martino. And the correct answer was, John was right. It was Buddy Rogers. Nice job, John. I should have done that nice one. Job. All right, question number two. J.D., I'll ask you this. Okay, so I, I, so I have to, okay. Who did Terry Funk lose the NWA championship to? Was it Dory Funk, Ric Flair, Harley Race, or Lou Fez? Race. You're saying Harley Race. John. And John also says Harley Race. And that is correct. But you all are right. It was, in fact, Harley Race. Ann is on, by the way, Chen. Hmm? I didn't hear you. Ann is on. She told me to tell you. Oh, she is? Yeah. Okay, there she is. And, ladies and gentlemen, we have the last kicker, Anne-Marie Rickenbach, on with us during our uh, live video feed at Ambrose Rollins Range Show News. And welcome. Uh, thank you very much, J.D., for giving out here to us. Uh, <clears throat> so, question number, and we go to question number three. Who did Roddy Roddy Piper face at WrestleMania 2? Was it Mr. T, Paul Orndorff, Junkyard Dog, or Hulk Hogan? I just saw this today, Mr. T. And the answer is, J.D.? It is, it is Mr. T. Mr. T, I didn't, I didn't quite hear you, but okay. Um, but I know you just said it, so I didn't hear you before. John, what's your answer? John's also going with Mr. T. Yeah, it was Mr. T. Face, Piper faced Mr. T, of course, in the infamous boxing match. That included the guest timekeeper. Herb! Okay. Question number four. Who defeated Ric Flair for the NWA title in 1989? Was it Ronnie Garvin, Terry Funk, Ricky Steamboat, or Sting, J.D.? What event was this again? 
Well, it was well. It, all it has is a year, 1989. Uh, that would be that would be Steamboat. It'd be Steamboat. Okay, John. John, who defeated Ric Flair for the NWA title in 1989? Was it Ronnie Garvin, Terry Funk, Ricky Steamboat, or Sting? J.D.'s already said Ricky Steamboat. Both J.D. and John said Ricky Steamboat. Yep. It was in fact Ricky Steamboat defeated Ric Flair. It was at Shot Town Rumble that year. No, it was at... I'm thinking of uh, Clash of the Champions, Raging Cage, and the two out of three, and then the Music City match. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, just... Uh, just uh, All right, so that's another one right there. Uh, not bad, guys. Uh, three out of four correct here. I think it was like 15 total, so not not too bad here. Question number five. This is a true or false question. So J.D. and John listen very carefully. Hulk Hogan is recognized as a six-time WWE champion. True or false, J.D.? False. You're saying false. John? John says true. Uh, John is correct. It is true. He is recognized as a six-time, well, it says he's a six-time world champion, but, but of course, it is in WWF slash WWE. So there you go. Question number six. Another true or false question, guys. Nick Bockwinkle, and J.D., you talk about him all the time. Uh-huh. Nick Bockwinkle has the longest combined reigns as AWA champion. True, true. or false? You're saying true. John. And John was talking about the last question there. Hogan's sixth championship reign came when he beat Triple H in April 2002. That must have been bad. That bad. What was it, Backlash? Yeah. Okay, that's and and both J D and John say true. No, it's actually false. Huh. Vern Gagne has the longest combined reigns at four thousand six hundred and seventy seven. And let's number of days, possibly. So that 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 could be for for a curve. All right, guys, next question, J.D., I'll ask you this first. Who did Randy Savage defeat for the Intercontinental title? 
Was it the Honky Tonk Man, Tito Santana, Greg Valentine, or Ricky Steamboat? What was the, uh, who's the, I mean, who had the longest reign ever of IC champion? No, who did Randy Savage defeat for the IC title? Was it Honky Tonk Man? Tito I'm Santana. sorry, who, who, who'd you say? I'm sorry. Did you, what, what did you say there, but I didn't hear you. Did, he, did you say Tito Santana? Yes. Okay, and John also says it. And that is correct. It was February 8, 1986, when Randy Savage defeated Tito for the belt. Question number eight. True or false? One man gang won the first Royal Rumble. J.D.? J.D.? Sorry, what's this one again? The true or false question. The one-man gang won the first Royal Rumble. False. Oh, John? John, this is not IW, this is not IW nerd where I got this from. This is another website where I found this question. Okay. <clears throat> that is, JD has it right again. It was actually Hacksaw Jim Duggan that won the first Royal Rumble. Okay. Next up here, guys. Who was the first NWA TNA world champion? Was it AJ Styles, Ken Shamrock, Jeff Jarrett, or Ron Killings? AD. Who was the first ever TNA champion, you said? NWA TNA world champion. I'm going to say it was uh, Ron the Truth Killings. Ron Killings. Okay. John? And John says Shamrock. Uh, And the answer is... Oh, there's a good book coming out next week. You might want to check out. Oh, okay. It was actually... John got it right. It was Shamrock. Damn it, John. Nice work. The first NWA TNA champion after winning a gauntlet for the gold battle royal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Just to tell you, the book is called Nitro, the incredible rise and inevitable collapse of Ted Turner's WCW. They interview the following Eric Bischoff, Harvey Schiller, Jamie Kellner, Bill Burke, uh, former president of TBS, Kevin Nash, Vince Russo, Buff Bagwell, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, and Jerry Jarrett, and many, many, many more. It'll be shipped out on Monday, March 19th, 2018, so be sure to check that out. 
when the rules do this. Next question here. Uh, listen very carefully here, guys. What did the letters OMR stand for on Steve Austin's vest when he wrestled The Rock at WrestleMania 19? Did it mean one more retiring, one more redneck, one more round, or one more rock? JD. I know for a fact one more round. He talked about it in his DVD. Okay, one more round. Uh, John? John also says one more round. Yep, yes, indeed, it stood for one more round. Because this was the, um, this was, that was the last WrestleMania he uh, wrestled at, right? Yeah, this is when he had a health issue the day before the event, too. He had almost, uh, he talked about it in the book, too, I think, The Stone Cold Truth. Uh, I think he almost thought he had a heart attack or uh, he had a panic attack. Oh, okay, okay. Question number 11 here, guys. Vince McMahon won the WWF title in what year? 1999, 2001, or 2000? 99. 99. Uh, John? Yep, he won the strap on SmackDown September 16th, 1999. I bet this was when Stone Cold helped him, I think, I'm not mistaken. Uh, next question here. Ooh. Okay. What was the main event of Starcade 1987? Was it the Four Horsemen versus Dusty Rose, LOD, and Nikita Koloff? Ronnie Garvin versus Ric Flair? Dusty Rose versus Tully Blanchard? Or Dusty Rose versus Ric Flair? JD. Ron Garvin versus Ric Flair in a rematch. You say Garvin versus Flair? Yep. Okay, John. And John is also saying saying the same thing, say Garvin versus Flair. That is right. Excuse me. All right. Next up here, next question. Who is known as the Red Rooster? 
Was it Jim Powers, Buddy Landale, Barry Windham, or Terry Taylor, J.D.? Terry Taylor. John? John also says Terry Taylor. And that's right, it wasn't me, Terry Taylor. True or false once again here, guys. Randy Orton is an 11-time world champion. J.D., true or false? What was the question again? Sorry. Randy Orton is an 11-time world champion. True. True. Yeah, uh, John. Yeah, yeah, John. Mm-hmm. Say it again. Yeah, yeah, John. John also says true. It's uh, actually it's false. He's a twelve-time world champion. They 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 screwed everybody with with by about one year. Hmm. And the final question in this, guys, I've done it true or false. The Ultimate Warrior was known as Blade Runner Flash when he and Sting was tag partners early in their career. True or false, JD? Who was the tag partner again? Sorry. The Ultimate Warrior was known as Blade Runner Flash when he and Sting were was true. tag partners. You're saying true. And John? John also says true. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, uh, John, this actually kind of, J.D. and John, this kind of threw you off. It's actually false. He was known as Rock when he was in the Blade Runners. Steve was the one that was known as Flash. That's right. I should have known that, darn it. And and guys, tonight you get to wear the U.S. championship if you got nine out of fifteen questions correct. So y'all can share that belt if you like. There, so. that's not bad. Uh, I might use that again sometime. I don't know. Uh, let's see. We got about thirty-some minutes to go. While I'm pondering this, let me go ahead and get this out one more time. One seven two four 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 seventy four forty four. Call ID one three eight zero five five pound. This is episode three eighty two of the Mothership Broadcast WCW US Revolution. Uh, Tuesday, September fifth, two thousand and seventeen. Once again, I am Mister WCWS Chad Hinshaw back on the line here with you, alongside the Raw Radio two thirds of the Raw Raw Radio broadcast team. Uh, the Iceman JD Jr. DiGiolmo, two thousand fifteen seventeen Hall of Famer and the Human Suplex Machine, John Gross, uh, <clears throat> the first 2016 WWS Hall of Famer. Uh, I do want to thank earlier Mr. Hulkamania, Bob Ziggler, for hopping on here tonight. Apparently he didn't make it on. 
I get back on. Um, we want to send a shout-out here, of course, to our other brethren here in the radio network. Uh, of course, the duo known as King Classy, uh, King W.O. Gerard T. Smith, and, of course, the Black Widow Michelle Lynn Dodds. Uh, we hope, like, everything is okay. And uh, we did hear Michelle's a little bit under the weather tonight, but uh, we'll be saying a prayer for her here this evening. And GTS, I'm sure, like I said, something has come up, so hopefully he'll be back on with us. Uh, and, of course, sometime tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, of course, uh, uh, wrestling debate and also revolution as well. Uh, <clears throat> also, of course, ladies and gentlemen, Ambrose Rollins Reigns, Rollins Reigns Shield News, another group here in, in the WCWUS stable of groups, started by WCWUS veteran Sarah Elizabeth Martin, is, of course, our home for our live video tonight of episode 382 of the Mothership broadcast tonight. The last kicker, Anne-Marie Rickenbach, here at 2016, uh, 2000, yeah, 2016 Hall of Famer, is on there with us here right now. We do thank her for popping on here tonight as well. Uh, let's see here. Uh, well... Mm. Let's see here. Mm. Well, This is not, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry that I uh, can't find anything wrestling related with this, but I figured you know that I have J.D. and John here. Um, there's no right or wrong answers with this, but, but I found this interesting thing about, the, of course, I'm sure you heard of the game, Would You Rather? Uh, and uh, there's a there's a, some interest in uh, um, uh Let's see. Okay, here's some right here. Uh, J.D. and John, if you're game four, we'll give this a try here. Uh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> first question, like I said, like I said, I'm sorry if there's not, not any that are wrestling-related, but we'll give this a little bit of a try here. Uh, would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early, J.D.? J.D.? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, I just asked a question. Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20, 20 minutes early? What would I rather be? Yeah, what would you, would you, yeah. 10 minutes early. It was 10 minutes late or 20 minutes early? 20 minutes early. 20 minutes early. John? John also wants to be 20 minutes early. Okay. Uh, let me see here. Wait, wait a minute. You know what? I've got a, actually got a little bit better idea. We're going to take the movie. We're going to bring a little bit of the movie trivia challenge here tonight, JD, here to Revolution. We're going to give you and John an opportunity to answer some. Uh, uh, 
answer some questions about movie trivia. Here. Let's see if let's see if John might know a little bit more than uh, if you're game for that. There, JD. Ready. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Okay. 23 questions here in this one here, guys. So listen very, very carefully. John, I hope you know your movies pretty well. Some are, some might not, some might be uh, recent. A lot of them might be a few years ago. Some might be way, way, way old. So I'd like to just, just have some with it. Just guess if you wish. So, all right, 23 questions here, guys. Here we go. J.D., I'll ask you this question first. Which actress in an Indiana Jones film became the future wife of director Steven Spielberg. Was it Karen Allen, Kate Blanchett, Kate Capshaw, or Allison Duty? Kate Capshaw. John, what do you say? John is going with the same thing, Kate Capshaw. And, yeah, that's right. Uh, Kate Capshaw Kate in the role of American nightclub singer, singer uh, Willie Scott at Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom from 1984, eventually married her director, Steven Spielberg, in 1991. Next question. This might be a little bit more recent here. Which actor had his major feature film debut in the first Indiana Jones film and later starred as the superhero's main villain in Spider-Man 2. Was it Thomas Hayden Church, William Defoe, James Franco, or Alfred Molina, J.D.? Molina. Same Molina. John? John Arena. John has a case of John Arena. Your goal was the same as as JD saying Alfred Molina, and that's right. Alfred Alfred Molina portrayed traitorous Peruvian guide or thief Sepito in the opening sequence of Raiders of the Lost Ark from 1981, and later portrayed the villainous Doctor Octopus or Otto Octavius or Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2, which came out in 2004. Wow, 23 years later. Question number five. No, question number three. I'm sorry, this is number, okay. Two big-budget space disaster science sci-fi action films involving giant meteors, comets, or asteroids on a collision course with Earth were released by Hollywood in 1998. One of them was Armageddon. What was the other one? Was it Deep Impact, Meteor, Night of the Comet, or When Worlds Collide? J.D.? Deep Impact. Same Deep Impact and John. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> okay, that's, that's terrible. You didn't hear that from me.
God also says deep impact. The answer is, that's right, it was deep impact. A second space meteor disaster film from 1998 was, in fact, deep impact. All right. Question number four. What was the first film in the, in the U.S. to receive an X rating under the Motion Picture Association of America uh, system of classification? Was it The Killing of Sister George, Midnight Cowboy, Medium Cool, or Greetings? J.D. Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy. Gone? John also says Midnight Cowboy, and the answer is, actually, the answer was Greetings. The first film in the U.S. to receive an X rating by the Motion Picture Association of America was Brian De Palma's episodic comedy Greetings from 1968, oddly enough, starring Robert De Niro. Which one? Uh, I didn't hear you, J.D. Which one? It was Greetings oh, okay. in 1968. Okay, question number five. What was the first film to use Dolby Stereo digital technology when it premiered? Was it Batman Returns from 1992, Clear and Present Danger from 94, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace from 99, or True Lies from 94? What was the question again? I heard the movie title. What was the first film to use Dolby Stereo Digital Technology? True Lies, 94. You'll say True Lies? Yeah. Okay. John? John also says true lies, and we'll go on. The answer is exactly Batman Returns from '92. First film to use Dolby Digital Technology. It was directed by Tim Burton. Question number six: What is the name of the bear-like monster in Pixar's fourth animated feature, Monsters Inc. from 2001? whose fur was bluish-green with large purple polka dots. Was it Boo, Mike, Randall Boggs, or Sully? J.D. Mike. You're saying Mike. All right, uh, John. John also says Mike, and the answer is actually Sully, Top Scare and Monstropolis with General Giant Monster James T. Sullivan, or Sully, who had bluish-green fur, while his assistant co-worker was, a, was, was, the, 
You're thinking of the one-eyed, spherical character named Mike with spindly legs, and Boo was a human girl. Randall Boggs was a diabolical, semi-purple chameleon who was Sully's nemesis. Did you ever see Monsters, Inc., J.D.? Did I ever see what? Did you ever see Monsters, Inc.? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was Sully. Oh, are you doing something there, J.D.? JD. Yeah. Are you doing something there, bud? Sorry, who did the voice you said? Uh, well, I think John Goodman did the voice of Sully. Uh, I know. And, oh, yeah, and then Billy Crystal was the other. Billy Crystal was Mike, yeah, that's right. All right, here's the next question, number seven here. In Jean-Luc Goddard's classic film, Breathless of 1960, which was in French, also known as About the Souffle, <laughs> Which American film star was the lead character uh, Michelle, played by Jean-Paul Belmondo, obsessed with? Was it James Dean, Humphrey Bogart, Marlon, Marlon Brando, or Paul Newman, J.D.? Uh, I'm trying to think, however. Uh, who was it? Sorry, who was it again? Sorry. You need, to, you, need to, you need the question again? Yeah. In the classic film Breathless of 1960, which was a French film, which American film star was the lead character, uh, Michelle, played by played by Jean-Paul Belmondo, obsessed with? What American film star? Was it James Dean, Humphrey Bogart, Marlon Brando, or Paul Newman? James Dean. Then James Dean and John. James Dean. I like that song. John's also saying James Dean. The answer is actually Humphrey Bogart. This was a car thief who modeled himself after the American film star Humphrey Bogart, rubbing his lips with his thumb, which was Bogie's trademark expression, letting a cigarette dangle from his mouth, muttering the word Bogie, and gazing at a lobby card of his idol. Question number eight. <clears throat> which which classic horror film series featured a serial killer who wore a mask, which was of William Shatner's Captain Kirk? Was it Friday the 13th, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, or The Texas Chainsaw Massacre? J.D. Which horror film did what now? Sorry. Featured a serial killer who wore a mask, and apparently this was of William Shatner's Captain Kirk character. I'm gonna say it was. Uh, I'm gonna say Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, John. Those are some of the creepiest movies I have ever heard of. John is saying this thing. Now you're both here saying the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's actually Halloween. Huh. Halloween from 1978 featured Michael Myers, a masked-obsessed serial killer. The low-budget film's props department selected a Captain Kirk mask 
that was spray-painted white for the killer. Whoa. That's are creepy. You, are you kidding me? The captain heard mad. I wonder, I wonder if Shatner ever heard about that. I'm sure he did, and he's probably got and he's getting royalty, so that's shame on them. Yes. I agree. Okay, next question. Which Star Wars film was the first in which the character of Yoda was completely computer-generated? Was it Return of the Jedi, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, or Revenge of the Sith, J.D.? Attack of the Clones. Okay, Attack of the Clones. Okay, John? Yeah, I think John already answered that. Both of y'all say Attack of the Clones, and the answer is, y'all are right, it was Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones mode 2 introduced a new, completely CGI-created version of the character Yoda, who was voiced once again by Frank Oz. Ah. The Questions? The Questions? Questions? <laughs> I haven't... I don't know if Michelle told you or not, but uh, I sent her a recording of uh, my Dusty Rhodes impression. She sent me something. Yeah, send that to me. I'll have to check that out, though. Yeah, okay. Um, She sent it to me. Uh, It might be on my page. I'll have to look and see if it is. I'll send it to you. Uh, John actually says The Jungle Book. Um, All right, let's do this. Between 20 and 30, J.D., uh, what do you pick? I am saying 22. 22. John, what are you saying? J.D. has gone with the Aristocats, and you've gone with the Jungle Book. as the last film personally overseen by Walt Disney himself. You're saying 24, John? It's actually 26. So John got this time. So we'll go. His answer will say the Jungle Book, and the answer is. And John was right. JD was the Jungle Book. You're cheating, John. I know you are. <laughs> During the production of the Jungle Book, it came out in '67. Walt Disney sadly passed away on December 15th, 1966. So my birthday in '66, ten years before I was born. Hmm. You. I wonder if I ever heard the rumor true. Just something about that someone kept Disney's brain or something. I heard something about that. 
Yeah, I've heard some creepy stuff about that. Next question here. How many Academy Award Oscar wins did the entire, now keep this in mind, the entire fantasy epic, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, have? That was between 01 and 03. How many Academy Award Oscar wins did the entire package have? Okay, keep that in mind. 11, 13, 15, or 17? I'm going to say, however, it was 13. You say 13. John? John is saying 15. Oh, boy. Well, let me do this here. Oh, I'm going on with John's answer saying 15. I decided to do the the back and forth thing there. The answer is... Believe it or not, both of y'all are wrong. It's actually 17. The Lord of the Rings trilogy won a total of 17 Oscars from its 30 nominations. The Fellowship of the Ring from 01 had four Oscar wins out of 13 nominations. The Two Towers from 02 had two Oscar wins from six nominations. And The Return of the King from 03 had 11 Oscar wins from all 11 nominations. I wasn't crazy about The Lord of the Rings, but I mean, that was a very popular movie series. All right, J.D., here we go here. All right, step up here, step up. All right. Who was the third, who was the third different actor to portray James Bond, the official canon of 22 Bond films? Was it Pierce Brosnan, Timothy Dalton, George Lazenby or Roger Moore? Roger Moore. Roger Moore. John. John also says the late Roger Moore. We'll see here. Question and answer is. That's right, it was Roger Moore. It was the third James Bond actor in the, in the official canon of Bond films. In the order, the six Bond actors were, number one, Sean Connery from 1962 to 1967 and also 1971. Number two, George Lazenby. Only did one, it was in 1969. Roger Moore was from 1973 to 1985. Number four, Timothy Dalton was from 87 to 89. Number five was Pierce Brosnan from... 95 to 2002, and number six, the current one, Daniel Craig from 2006 up until now. So, I think I heard after this one, I said that Daniel Craig said was the last one he's probably going to do. I heard. I think so, yeah. Like... He was on, uh, I think, uh, Stephen Colbert and said something like that. That sounds like. I wish I could still say David Lerman, but David Lerman hosted that show twice as good as he did. Yes. 
But that's just my opinion. I'm sticking to it. There you go. Question number 13. If we go a little past 11 o'clock, that's okay. We've got 10 more questions we'll do before we end up the show. Question, question number 13, guys. Which of Francis Ford Coppola's Godfather films won the most Academy Awards? Was it number one, number two, number three, or numbers one and two had the same number of Oscar wins? J.D.? Two. You say number two. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That'll be recorded. I'm going on this video here. And I'll put... <laughs> and number two. <laughs> oh, boy. I love the last, man. I do. Uh All right, John, we're still waiting your answer. Okay, Janie, don't show that to me right now. I don't need to see a full moon right now. So. <laughs> okay, John says the same thing. You said number two, uh, and the answer, and the answer is that's right. The Godfather Part Two from '74 won six Oscars from eleven nominations, the most of all the films in the trilogy. The original Godfather from '72 won three Oscars from ten nominations while The Godfather Part Three from 1990 didn't win a single Oscar out of seven nominations. Hmm. Nice picture, by the way, J.D. Thank you very much. Yes. All right. All right, question number 14. Which Disney animated feature film included six classic Elvis Presley songs on its vintage rock soundtrack? Was it Happy Feet from 06, Lilo and Stitch from 02, Shark Tale from 04, or Treasure Planet from 02, J.D.? Uh, the one from 04. You're saying Shark Tale. Okay. Yeah. Uh, John? John also said a shark tail. The answer is it was actually Lilo and Stitch. It contains six Elvis Presley songs sung by Elvis himself, including, of course, J.D., I think you know a lot of these songs here, Heartbreak Hotel, Stuck on You, Suspicious Minds. That's a great song. I love it. Blue Hawaii, You're the Devil in Disguise, and Hound Dog. Suspicious Minds is one of my favorite, personal favorites. Question number 15, J.D., here we go. Which film cost more to license the songs on the soundtrack, which was composed of alternative rock songs, than the cost of the film's entire production 
a first in modern cinematic history. Was it the Blair Witch Project from 99, Clerks from 94, Pink Floyd The Wall from 82, or This Is Spinal Tap from 84? KD. Which was, I mean, I know the movie. What was the question now again? Sorry. Which film cost more the licensed songs on its soundtrack, which was composed of all... I'm going to say This Is Spinal Tap. You're saying this is Spinal Tap from 84. And this, this, is, this is more than the, than the cost of the film's entire production. Yeah. If there was a first in modern cinematic history. Yes. And while I'm waiting on that answer, gentlemen, I have an update here which I think everyone has feared. I will go ahead and bring it up, if, you, if I may do so. All right. A 205 Live update, and your worst fear, J.D., has come true. Enzo Amore will challenge Neville for the title at No Mercy. Great. Yeah. Courtesy of WWE.com. And John is also saying Spinal Tap, and the answer is... It was actually Clerks. Never huh. alternative rock songs. The cost of obtaining the rights to the soundtrack for director Kevin Smith's low-budget comedy Clerks in 94 was greater than the production cost for the entire film, which was approximately $27,000. Huh. Huh. Question number 16. What movie was the Hollywood feature film debut of William Shatner? Was it The Brothers Karamazov, The Intruder, Judgment in Nuremberg was the first Star Trek movie, Star Trek The Motion Picture. I'm going to say it was Star Trek The Motion Picture. Okay, John. Before we leave the air, I'll get your thoughts on the update at this point, but let's wait until I get done with these first. I know we'll talk more about that tomorrow night. I want to get y'all's opinions, but we'll wait until after we do this. I'll be surprised if this is not if this is not the answer you just gave. John is agreeing with you. Both of y'all are saying the first Star Trek movie. And the answer is, holy cow, it wasn't. It was the brothers Karamazov. Although most notable for his Star Trek appearances and various other TV show roles, William Shatner's debut Hollywood feature film was the brothers Karamazov from 1958 in the role of Alexei Karamazov, opposite lead star Yul Brenner as his brother Dimitri. I did not know that. Oh, boy, that threw me off. That was 20 years before the first Star Trek movie ever came out. Oh, man. All right, question number 17. What was future president and actor Ronald Reagan's last feature film appearance? Was it Bedtime for Bonzo, Cattle Queen of Montana, Hellcats of the Navy or the Killers, JD? I'm going to say Cattle Queen of Montana. Cattle Queen of Montana, John. That's surprising about that William Shatner question. Yeah. But yeah, 1958. Like he debuted in Hollywood. I did not know that. I knew he did that, but I didn't know when that was. John also says, 
You said Cattle Queen of Montana, and the answer is it was actually The Killers. Ronald Reagan's last film appearance was in director Don Siegel's post-noir crime thriller The Killers in 1964, in which he played heavy or bad guy crime boss Jack Browning, the first time he had ever played a villain. Ronald Reagan, a villain. <laughs> yeah. Question number 18. What was Disney's first film to be released by its new label, Touchstone Pictures or Touchstone Films? Was it Country from 1984, Down Out in Beverly Hills from 1986, My Science Project from 85, or Splash from 84? D.D. I think if I remember correctly, it was Splash from 84. It was Splash. You think it was Splash? John. And John also goes along with that, too, but they all say Splash, and the answer is, that's right, Ron Howard's Splash from 84, a romantic comedy with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah, was Disney's first film released under Touchstone Pictures, its first entry into more mature themes and content in films. It also did some of the Ernest movies, if I'm not mistaken, here, too. Normally. <laughs> there you go. Question number 19. What was the last film that actress Natalie Wood appeared in before her untimely death? Was it Brainstorm, The Last Married Couple in America, Meteor, or Willie and Phil, J.D.? J.D.? Yeah, sorry, what was that one? <clears throat> what was the last film that actress Natalie Wood appeared in before her untimely death? Brainstorm. Thing was brainstorm. Okay, John. John also says brainstorm. The answer is. Yep, it was brainstorm. The science fiction film Brainstorm from 1983 was not entirely completed when 43-year-old Natalie Wood died of drowning in late November 1981. The film was finished by changing its ending and using a stand-in, then released, then released uh, posthumously dedicated to her memory. That that's one that has that's one mystery that has never been solved. Yeah. Question number 20. What was the first Disney animated feature film to be rated PG? Was it Aladdin from 92, Beauty and the Beast from 91, The Black Cauldron from 85, or The Black Hole from 1979? Black Hole from 79. You said The Black Hole? JD, is that what you said? JD? Yes, is that what you said? Did we lose you? No, sir. Or you said the black hole? Yeah. All right, John said Beauty and the Beast. Uh, 
Out of these two numbers, which one am I thinking of? One or 100, J.D.? A.D. Yes. What number am I thinking of? One or 100? 44. No, no, not between that. What? Which one of those two numbers am I thinking of? 44. No, 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 not, not between 1 and 100. I said either one of these two numbers, 1 or 100. Which one am I thinking of? 1. 1. John, what do you say? Now, John, it's either 1 or 100. Believe it or not, I was actually thinking the same thing J.D. was. I was thinking one, oddly enough. So, John, J.D. will go with the black hole, and the answer is... It was actually the Black Cauldron from 1985. The studio's first PG-rated animated theatrical feature film was the Black Cauldron from 1985 due to some of its scary images. The Black Cauldron from 1979 was Disney's first PG-rated non-animated feature film. So, J.D., you were close, but Black Hole was non-animated, and we were asking for the animated film. But very good, but close enough. That's good there, J.D., very good. Question number 21. What was the only John Carpenter film to receive an Academy Award nomination? Was it Halloween from 1978, Escape from New York from 1981, Starman from 1984, or the, th or the Thing from 1982, Brady? Starman, 84. Okay, John. John also says Starman, so we'll say that. The answer is. And you're all right. John Carpenter's Starman from 84 received an Academy Award Best Actor nomination for Jeff Bridges in the title role as an alien extraterrestrial. Remarkably, Bridges' Oscar nomination was the only such nomination ever given to any of John Carpenter's films. Question number 22. What was Warner Brothers' first 3D film that effectively launched the horror film career of Vincent Price? Was it Bawana Devil from 1952, House of Wax in 53, It Came From Outer Space, also from 53, or Robot Monster from 53? I'm going to say 80. C. You want to say which one? I didn't, J.D., I didn't hear you. J.D. J.D., I didn't quite catch what you said. J.D., respond. J.D., what are you doing? I'm assuming J.D. said C, so we'll go along with We'll just say that right there. John, what's your answer?
Okay, JD and John's also saying the same thing. JD, you did say C, right? JD, are you still there? Yeah. You said C for that, right? Yeah. Okay. So it came out of space. The answer is it's actually House of Wax by director Andre de Toff was Warner Brothers' first 3D film and also the first 3D film released with the stereo soundtrack. It also effectively launched the horror film career of Vincent Price, who portrayed horribly disfigured sculptor Professor Henry Jared. Final question here, guys. Okay. I know the answer to this. I am not going to say this, but let's see if J.D. and John know this. In which Star Trek film did Spock, of course, the late Leonard Nimoy, sacrificially die to save the USS Enterprise and its crew? Was it the motion picture from 79, the Wrath of Khan from 82, the Search for Spock from 84, or the Voyage Home from 86? JD. That would be Star Trek II. Star Trek II. And John. saying Star Trek 2 there, John? And the answer is... <clears throat> that's right. Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan from 82. Captain Spock, played by Larry Nimoy, exposed himself to deadly radiation to repair the USS Enterprise warp drive engines and save the doomed vessel from the de- deadly explosion of the Genesis device set up by Vengeful Khan, played by the late Ricardo Montalban. Ricardo Montalban played that character very, very well, in my personal opinion. And the final score. Whoa, a close one here. 11 correct out of 23, J.D. John. Not too shabby. Not too bad at all. Very nice. Very nice indeed, guys. Well, guys, before we go, like I said, as I did report here during our uh, during our uh, <clears throat> uh, trivia thing here, I did report at quarter to WWE.com. Uh, J.D. did say something about this earlier in his rant about Raw uh, concerning 205 Live. Uh, well, sadly, it has it has already been taken care of. It has been signed at no mercy. Enzo Amore will go after Neville for the Cruiserweight title. And let's hear about what J.D. and John have to say about this. J.D., I will ask you first your opinion. Of... Time. The Enzo Neville Cruiserweight title match at Devils just now made from University. A joke. An absolute joke. I mean, why would you want to have that match when it's going to be a recipe for disaster? Well, there you go. Good thought there, indeed. Good thought. Uh, John simply said Enzo and Neville match. He said, ooh. I think that pretty much sums that up right there. But, uh, I know that that's what you talked about. You hoped that they wouldn't do it, and sadly, they went ahead and did it. I wonder what Enzo did in order to earn that opportunity, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. I hope it doesn't come back to buy Enzo in the rear end, which it probably will. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see on that. We'll talk more about this uh, during our Wednesday night revolution show from 9 to 11 <clears throat> after we talk about, of course, about SmackDown Live. 
All right. Uh, I, this is all we left for the evening. Thank you very much, Dr. John, for coming on. We'll talk to you tomorrow night on Revolution. I do want the Iceman, J.D., Jared D. Girolamo, the Machine uh, John Gross, and Mr. Hulk, uh, well, also Mr. Hulk, Canadian Bob Ziegler, and also the last kicker, Henry Reed Rickenbach, is here tonight for episode 382 of Revolution. It was a very fun time here for our first Tuesday back uh, after being gone after being uh, gone since August the 15th. So we're back up and running here, folks, and we're back up at full power. So uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be of course be bringing it strong here, of course, tomorrow night. Be sure to join us for our triple threat Wednesday when we bring you, of course, outside the ropes from 631 All the rest of the debate. Five and of course, once again. Here, 138055 pounds. Uh, anything else you wish to add before we end the, end the evening? Nope. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. sir. For the Iceman, J.D., Jared Geralmo, Space Machine, John Gross, Hulkamania, Bob Ziegler, Vlad, Marie Rickenbach, and the entire panel with you have to handle this is Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw saying thank you so much for listening in tonight. And, uh, and uh, be sure to join us here, of course, like I said, for our Triple Threat Wednesday. <coughs> As, of course, we will stay fine with our big talk of professional wrestling and other topics of choice. Revolution is a broadcast of the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com. We're two years older and continuing to be bolder. The radio continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling connection. Everyone, thank you very much for joining us here tonight. Take care of yourselves and each other. See you in the ring. And as always here in the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com. God bless everyone. Terrific evening. Good night, all. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.